0: This episode of the CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They have two convenient locations, Capitol Hill and Wallingford. I love going to Capitol Hill. I'll go order my food, whether it be tacos, burritos, or tamal. I love their tamales. They're fantastic. And then I'll go sit on the patio, enjoy my meal, and then wait for something interesting to happen. And given that it's Capitol Hill, something interesting always happens. If you don't have time to go to either location... You can always order through your favorite food ordering app, Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. They make it really easy to get all of your favorite items. So next time you're craving some delicious Mexican food, stop in or order. You'll be glad you did.
1: Right. I'm feeling me.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the CZ Media Podcast. I'm very excited about today's show. Um, If you follow politics or if you follow, you know, local news, you'll definitely know of um, my guest, Lauren Culp. Sir, thank you so much for joining. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great, Carlos. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Excellent, excellent. So I know that we don't have a whole lot of time, so I just want to get sort of to the root of what I would, uh, what I, the questions that I want to ask you. Um, s- listeners of my show may know that I'm new to uh, firearms and and <clears throat> and talking about the Second Amendment and and uh, you know appreciating it, valuing it, and trying to protect it. So I would like to speak to you about how gun control is in Washington State. Like some of why some things are the way they are, which seems a little bit weird. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your background with, um, you know, Second Amendment rights and protecting them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, as, as most people know, if they follow politics, I ran for governor in 2020. Um, and I was before I ran for governor, I was just a small town police chief in Republic, Washington which is over in the northeast corner of the state, uh, right up by Canada. And back in 2018, when Initiative 1639 passed, um, I've always been, first of all, I've always been a strong proponent of the Second Amendment of citizen rights to defend themselves. So when 1639 passed, it restricted uh, especially young people, 18 to 21 years old, from uh, owning certain types of weapons and I felt very strongly, you know, and if you read the Constitution, both the state Constitution and the federal Constitution, you'll see that, you know, citizens have the right to keep and bear arms. And the Washington State Constitution is even more explicit um, on this Second Amendment. So I felt very strongly that if I enforced that law, I would be violating citizens' constitutional rights. And I swore an oath as all public servants do to uphold and defend the constitution so there was no way i was going to enforce that law in my jurisdiction i made it very public that i was not going to um you know if it came up in my jurisdiction because i believed in my oath of office i believed that the role of government as our founder said in the declaration of independence the role of government is to protect citizens rights that's the first and foremost thing that government officials should be doing and so i wasn't going to enforce it that you know, that got me national attention. I was on Tucker Carlson and Fox and friends. And, you know, I did, I don't know, probably over a thousand interviews, on radio and TV all across the United States. Uh, I had radio stations all over the place uh, in Chicago, New York, Texas, falling in and doing interviews because apparently it was an anomaly to have a, a public servant stand up and say, I'm not going to enforce this unconstitutional law. You know, I, I didn't know it would be a big deal when I made that stance, but protecting the citizens that I work for was very important. So, um, you know, it's it's not government's place to um, take away citizens' rights. It's their role to protect them. Right. So I stood up against that. And, uh, that's kind of what got me into politics.
0: Got it. So you, you uh, being having that spotlight shown, I did like start the get the idea of going, Hey, I want to do more of this. I want to be more in the, in the political landscape.
2: Well, I never had aspirations to be in politics. I, I didn't like public speaking. Um, I, you know, I didn't like being in front of people talking about pretty much anything. I just, I just like to do my job, you know, go home and, and uh, have a peaceful life and, uh, live in the middle of nowhere, which Republic <laughs> is. Um, but, you know, once that, that ball started rolling, um, you know, I, I just looked around and it's like, well, who who's not, I mean, who's going to stand up for <clears throat> citizens' rights? I'm not seeing it happening, you know, yeah. and since the spotlight was shining on me, it's like, okay, well, as scary as this is, um, I guess,
0: I'll do it. Right. So, so why do you think the that Washington didn't challenge this law?
2: Why Washington didn't challenge
0: it? Yeah. I mean, if it was if it was contrary to what the Constitution says um, in, in my ignorance of politics is shining through, but can't can't couldn't Washington have challenged it and said this is this law should be overturned or not implemented. Yeah
2: yeah, it was challenged. Um, but when you say Washington State should have challenged it, the that the exact opposite was happening. You know, our attorney general and the governor were pushing for this. okay. Um, a lot of government um, I guess I don't I hate to call them officials. you know we're, we're the officials <laughs> we're the public servants, but our, our Washington State Attorney General Bob Ferguson was pushing for this gun control to pass. And, you know, if if you have a government that's trying to restrict your ability to defend yourself, uh, you know, the first thing I ask is, well, wh- what do they want to accomplish? What are they going to be doing that they're afraid of citizens being armed? You know, because and they use the excuse that it's going to save lives. Right. But it's a proven fact that if you go to places where there's strict gun control, there is high crime and a high murder rate. Right. And if you go to places where they allow citizens to protect themselves then there is a low uh, crime rate. And, you know, the government's not going to be there in your back pocket when you need to protect yourself. Right. And so it's very important that we take that responsibility on ourselves. And that's even more evident now than it was back in 2018 when I stood up against that initiative.
0: Right. So what sort of got me, well, no, what 100% got me into Um, firearms is I work for, I work with a sneaker store that's on Capitol Hill, you know? So if any, you know, our listeners know Capitol Hill, I've mentioned them a lot and it is a, it is one of Seattle's more unique neighborhoods, but it has, you know, it used to be like a fun place to go, you know, lively, you know, lots of positive energy, but the last man, the last two years, it's just turned into a horrible place. Um, I see a lot of homeless. I have inhaled meth and crack uh, secondhand smoke a few times, whereas I'm walking by someone just blows out of their crack pipe. And last year, a, um, I'm assuming it was a homeless person, but came into the sneaker shop. I wasn't there, but there's only, there's only one other person that works there, the owner. And, Asked for all the money and pulled out a pistol, and luckily nothing happened. Um, the the owner, his name was Paris. He he knew how to manage that situation expertly. He spoke to the guy, asked him to leave, and you know when he realized that he wasn't going to get anything, he just left. But watching the videotape and then <laughs> knowing how law enforcement reacted to that when we called it did not give me any sense of security at all that I was going to be protected by the police. So, right. so I started to do the research, find out what I could do, um, applied for my concealed carry, you know, in that concealed carry comes with a, from what they told me a pretty intense background check. Um, and then went purchased a purchased a pistol, but then one of the things that I thought was really pointless was when I purchased my pistol, I had to do another background check that took two weeks before I got my, before I was able to take possession of the firearm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why that is?
2: Yeah, it's because government thinks that they control you. You know, if you, uh, you know, to get this podcast rolling, did you have to uh, submit to a background check for your First Amendment? I mean, did you have to get a permit? Did you have to ask the government's permission to, to exercise your First Amendment rights? Mm. And the answer to that is no. no. Right. And the same thing should apply to all our amendments, all of our rights, <clears throat> because government didn't give us those rights. You know, it, if you read the Declaration of Independence, we're endowed by our creator with inalienable rights. And then they're enumerated uh-huh. in the Bill of Rights. And the First Amendment, it, it, it's just the same as the Second. It is our right it's not uh, giving government permission to restrict anything. And so when you have to apply for a permit or you have to apply for a concealed carry uh, license, or you have to subject yourself to the government, seeing if it's okay for you to exercise your right, then you're really not living in a free country. The government is assuming the responsibility um, and the authority over you on that right that the founders put in the Bill of Rights. Affirming our ability to defend ourselves. So as far as I'm concerned, the Second Amendment is Americans carry permit.
0: Right.
2: We need to get government out of regulating that. You know, imagine if if you know, and, the, and a lot of the argument is that, well, our when our founders wrote the second amendment, they, you know, we had muskets yeah. and muzzle orders. Well, I guess if you're gonna use that argument, then the same thing applies to the first amendment. You know, you have a First Amendment as long as you're using a quill pen and an
0: inkwell. Yeah.
2: Right. It doesn't make any sense. Technology advances, weapons advance, typewriters advance into computers, uh, you know, so that, that doesn't hold water. We have a right that we are born with as Americans to defend ourselves.
0: <clears throat> so I'll, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and say that I think I'm OK with needing a concealed carry. So I, I think that I'm okay with that. What what just strikes me as redundant is is the needing for another background check when you when you go to pick up. So th- a few weeks ago, I purchased a shotgun and I needed to do another background check, but this one was a fast one. It only took about 15 minutes. So it, it's like I'm just thinking, who's like it wasn't it, I, I was sort of thinking, is it a money grab at first for? the state for all of these background checks, but it's not a, it's not a substantial fee and it just seems like there's a lot of paperwork and like manpower that you need to do this. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm just baffled by it that, 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 that we need it, but I agree with you that it is a bill of right. You can't, I mean, the, if you can't attack the second amendment without also, you know, making parallels to the other ones. Um, right. What do you think do you think that there are any well you you know I I don't like to, actually that's so funny. I don't like to use the word leaders either. Because <laughs> a lot of the times when you know people talk super, super highly about some of some elected official, you know, I just say do what what do you think makes this person so much smarter than all of us that they can tell all of us what to do? And uh, a lot of times I don't really get a, a good answer. But who do you think – do you think there are any people who are running for office within the next, I don't know, five years or so that would be friendly to the Second Amendment? Do you think that's a possibility in Washington State in the next few election cycles?
2: Uh, yeah, the, um I don't know, like you know, governor is not to twenty twenty four. Nobody's running for governor at this point. Uh, I don't know who who may or may not, um, but I, I do know that there are uh, at least a couple people running for Congress that made it through the primary, and uh, that's Joe Kent and Matt Larkin, and th- they are uh, big time supporters of all of our amendments, all of our rights, including the Second Amendment.
0: Yeah, I think that those names need to be out there. I mean, you know, I'm not a single issue voter. And when I speak to people and it really seems like they're single issue voters, I try to, you know, try to broaden a little bit about the way they think. And it's like you may lose on some things, but it's the overall, like who overall do you think will represent you? But I I really do think that the Second Amendment protections are, are pretty important. So having a candidate that has that on the platform, I think it's really, it's really good and we should, you know, support them.
2: Absolutely. <clears throat> and, you know, when, when I ran for governor, um, in 2020, I, I spoke about not single issue, right? Not, not just the second amendment, you know, everybody knows me. That's how I got in the public eye was because of the second amendment, but at, almost every speech that I gave all across the state. And we, we had a campaign that was like no other campaign that this state has ever seen. You know, we had rallies with two to 3,000 people right. uh, coming out. And and the biggest ones that we had were in King County. You know, everybody says that's the bashing of liberalism. Nobody there will support you. Well, that's, that's actually where we got the most um, people turning out the rallies, but I didn't just talk about single issue. I talked about the entire uh, constitution, right. the state Constitution, the Federal Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And when that is followed, you know, when our elected public servants follow the rule of law, which is the Constitution, that's what they raise the right hand and swear an oath to do, when that's followed, then everyone is protected equally. Right. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your preference, uh, your a- education or your income. Everyone is protected equally under the law. Um, and that resonated with a lot of people. I talked to so many Democrats that voted f- for the first time in their life, and a lot of them voted for the first time in their life for a Republican because of, of that message. That's it doesn't right. matter, you know, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, it, as long as the laws followed, and the law in this land, the United States of America, is the Constitution. Then it protects everybody equally.
0: Right, and actually, the when they're, <laughs> I mean, when the term. Uh, equity and equality and there's usually someone uh, losing out when these conversations happen. And those words are used Uh, for example, the decriminalization of theft in Seattle, you know, small stores like the, the one I work with, if someone steals an item, it is, you know, it is a big hit. It's like, you, you, you know, we're not Walgreens or Walmart that can absorb Uh, theft or have a budget for theft but if it's not over 500 dollars, then there is nothing there's no recourse we can't do anything and that's why it is important to have protection when you're working i mean isn't that nuts that you need that we feel we need protection to work at a place that sells sneakers i mean that's the the, we would get into the bigger talk of culture and society and It's like I post that question too to my social circle. It's like, do you really think that I should feel the need to have a concealed carry when I'm just trying to, you know, enter in some sneakers to inventory or help someone find what shoes, what size they are? That to me is just very, very unfortunate.
2: Well, I I talked about this a lot on the campaign trail. You know, when you allow bad behavior, if you allow it. You're gonna get more and more bad behavior. And you know, that's what's happened. Crime continues to go up because it's allowed. Right. And it's allowed by the people that we put into office, which is which is pathetic. You know, it goes back to what I said before. If if the law is followed, then it protects everyone equally. Well, the law's not being applied equally. The the people that are living on the streets that are doing meth and they're doing heroin and they're they're stealing from stores and they're assaulting people. They're not punished, and so that that bad behavior is being allowed right and it's
0: and encouraged just- really <laughs> it's what it's being encouraged i mean when you when we talk oh, about yeah. injection sites and uh, it, it's, it's being encouraged and uh and th- yeah, I moved here yeah. to I moved to Seattle uh, about twenty years ago, and the very first time I came here and my um my girlfriend at the time, now she's, we've been married, we've been together for about 20 years now, but she would take me around and, you know, it was just gorgeous. And I came from, uh, from a little town outside of Chicago for Aurora, Illinois and, uh, Aurora was just flat, you know, Illinois, is mostly a flat state, nothing too exciting. But when I came here and man, there's hills and mountains and water everywhere. It, I just fell in love with it. Just absolutely fell in love with the Pacific Northwest. And it is not the, I mean, I don't know if I would have that same feeling if if I if, if I were to have experienced that now. I would have been like, oh, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I, I grew up, I was raised, born and raised in Washington State. My dad was a state trooper, worked in the Everett area. Um, I was born in Everett. But most of my young childhood, we lived over by Port Townsend in oh. a small community called Chimicum And that's where I went to school up till when I was a freshman. But when I was younger, you know, my parents used to take us to Seattle. We'd go to Pike Place Market Um, and it was absolutely beautiful city, you know, but but now I wouldn't take my worst enemy downtown um, Mm. at all. And I believe it's being done on purpose. Mm. This isn't, you know, uh, our governor, our attorney general, the city council, the mayor, those people are not stupid people right they they know that what they're doing is causing these things but they're allowing it to happen
0: what do you think of uh, mayor harold so far
2: i don't know much about mayor harold at all
0: i you know i voted for him i um i i thought that i liked a lot of what he was saying but i'm not sure if it was a vote for him or just a vote against um councilwoman no oh, i don't remember her name um, Martinez, I forget her name because I I just thought that she her her whole platform was just ridiculous, and um we we do know a few other business owners that hear from the mayor often, and that's encouraging. And there is a lot of you know a lot of conversations about how to improve you know the Capitol Hill area and the Central District. So th- that's something that we never heard of. We never you know were invited to conversations with with mayor. Um, Oh man, I already forgot her name too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, so, so that's promising. So, you know, I'll be, uh, I will be keeping track of how things are going. Um, but you have a YouTube channel now and you're trying to, you're, you're not trying to, you are speaking about experiences as a cop and, uh, you know, bringing more of your story out. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Well, um, You know, most people know me as the Chief of Police of the Republic, but um, I spent a little over a decade in law enforcement. Before that, I was in the military and I ran my own business uh, in the Olympia for, you know, over 20 years. So I've got a lot of experience in in many different things, you know, in in politics as well. Um, But I've got a YouTube channel. It's, uh, if you go to YouTube and search Chief Lauren Culp, uh, you'll find it. And right now I am working on... um, you know, because the police, people in law enforcement, have been so beat up in the media and politics uh, the last several years. Right. I'm bringing um, real life stories, real investigations, and talking with the officers. You know, the police officers or the deputies that were involved in those cases. I'm bringing those stories to life so that they can tell their stories. I've, I've got a couple on there about uh, canine officers and their uh, tracking and apprehension of. Of violent criminals. And coming up this Saturday, actually, it'll be Saturday morning, I'm releasing another interview with uh, a police officer that was on a rescue mission during the floods in January of this year oh. in southwest Washington when so many places were flooded. Uh, they were on a rescue mission to save a family that was being flooded out of their house, and wow. they got in a boating accident on the way there. One of the officers was life and one of them was taken to the hospital in the ambulance. And I've got an actual video that one of the officers was taking uh, right before and as the boating accident happened. It's it's quite incredible, but that'll be airing this Saturday on my YouTube channel, Chief Lauren Culp.
0: Yep, I'll definitely put that into the show notes so people can easily easily reach your channel. I mean, that's so important to highlight the positives about our law enforcement officers. Um, yeah. I don't know why anyone right now would want to be a police officer because it's, it's turned into not just a thankless job, but a, I will blame you for all of society's problems, types of job when you're trying to do the, you know, the exact opposite and you're trying to help. Um, it's, you know, when I, I follow the Seattle police department on Facebook and they do highlight new officers, but, you know, as I, as I look at those posts, I'm like, man, it's like, dude, they're, they're just in for (laughs) an emotionally tough, even more so than being a police officer, but an emotionally tough, tough time. Um, Is it true? I heard this stat and I'm not sure if you, if you know this correctly, but every year a officer has between 15 and 20,000 interactions with different people. In, in a year.
2: Oh, I would say definitely, especially in the, in the big cities, um, for sure. Because um,
0: when we have yeah. when I've had these conversations also with, you know, with with my friends and I, you know, said we don't have millions of police officers all over the country. It's like there's considerably less than what you think. And each of those officers have unique interactions with 15 to 20,000 people. Of course, some of them are going to go wonky, but a very, very few. So, you know, when you when you the problem with speaking to people who completely disagree with you about this type of stuff is that you when you come at it with numbers, it turns it clinical and it takes the emotion out of it. So people have a tough time accepting that fact because they just want to hold on to the emotional part of it. But. You know, the reality is, is that there's a whole, there's not a whole lot of cops. There's a whole lot of people, 335 million people. It's like, you can't expect there to be, <laughs> you can't expect there to be nothing. I mean, we're per We're not, we're imperfect. We're human. Uh, and we're trying to always be better. And it I think it just goes along with, with cops. But when you put some perspective into it, I think that we just have to, you know, calm down a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, every police officer I've met, and I've I've trained with police officers from all, over, all across the country, you know, at different trainings that I went to in my over a decade of being in law enforcement. Um, they are regular people. You know, they just want to go do a good job and go home safely to their family at the end of their shift. And just like anybody else, you know, I, I've never met anyone who's not made a mistake at work. Right. And the same thing is for police. We're all human, and we make mistakes. And police officers, when they make a mistake, um, they pay for it,
0: right? And publicly, as, as, yes, <laughs>
2: very,
0: very publicly.
2: So. Yeah, but the overall law enforcement uh, are very good people. They work hard for their community, and uh, they do a darn good job. You know, you think about all the interactions every single day with, with the hundreds of thousands of police officers all across the country, and how often do we hear? about uh one bad apple exactly. and what happens with that bad apple right the right. other police officers want that guy gone yeah and they usually are in a short order
0: right well thank you so much for your time um sir i greatly appreciate it uh i will put the show i will put the link to your channel in the show notes um and then you know have to people have people follow you on social media um thank you so much i appreciate it it was a great talk
2: Absolutely, Carlos, and I, I'm on Twitter and uh, Facebook as well at Lauren Colt.
0: Yeah, it's so, so it's so interesting that uh, with Twitter, I've gotten success with asking um, with asking individual it, people to come on. Uh, when people say, "Hey, how did you get this person to come on your show?" It's like, "Well, I asked them on Twitter, and they said yes." So <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> Twitter never know until
2: you ask. <laughs>
0: exactly. Like hey, the, I mean, plenty say no, but hey, I've had some super awesome ones that have said yes, like yourself.
2: Well, I, I'll tell you one person that, that you probably should. She's an up-and-coming. I don't know whether she's going to be a politician or whether she's going to be in the media, but she's very good, and you, you might want to look her up. And her name is Kellyanna Brooking. Okay. Um, I think she's like 16 or 17. Her dad uh, goes around with her, and they do live interviews as well. I, she interviewed me uh, when I was running for office. Uh, but she's she's very sharp.
0: Yeah, okay, so, I'll yeah. I'll look her up.
2: And she's got a pretty good following as well. So
0: excellent, excellent. All right, thank all right, Carl. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye, bye.